The Migration by Wally Rudolph Every day I see her. I stand at my window, my hand out steadying myself on the metal sill. I wait for the clouds, for the smoke to retreat. She looks the same from the books from when I was a child. But that is only what I think. I'm increasingly cognizant of the fact that from such a distance, because I stare so often and for so long that my perception, what she looks like, is more akin to a ghost or an impression. Much seems like that now. There is much that I am unsure of. Where I am, what I have done. Every moment returns to me as if my entire life was pressed into the pages of a thick book and then removed. I am what is left. I am the relief. There was a dream. Paris. Silver platters of food are laid out across a long mahogany buffet. A woman. I love her, but I do not know her relation to me. Sits across from me. Her hair is long, chestnut. Her features slight. Her nose is a piece of china poised on her face. Her lips are red, perfect as if they did not grow, but were summoned from her skin. The room smells of pipe smoke and roses. I want to be with her, but I am unsure if it is because she is my sister or my wife. We eat together. Thick steaks with tomatoes cut in half, small carrots shiny with butter. We speak. She asks of my day, the progress of the composition, and as I begin to answer, to sing the first few notes, the room shakes. And then again, I am alone. There is a plane. I walk across the vast hangar, hands up, grazing the underbelly of the machine. It is shiny, smooth, just complete. The rivets and welds feel warm under my hands. I stare into the metal, see my warped reflection. My thick beard, my eyes like two river stones behind my glasses. Workers move about, all in the same attire. Blue jumpsuits, white hats, tools, long instruments in their hands. Many nod at me, smile. Some are still lost in their work. They walk with their clipboards, their eyes glazed over in calculations. There is more work to be done. I am aware of that, and I am aware that I am the one to do it. Everyone is waiting on me. They look to me, eager to hear what I have to say. I open my mouth. There is the house. I am young. Brown tea steeps in an open mason jar on the tiled counter of this home. A baby, my brother, is at my feet. He smashes his small fists on the top of my small stained slippers. We are in India, Kolkata. My mother calls out to me from across the house. This is the only home I have known. I hear music, a piano playing a slow melody. Four tones fall into the air. They each arrive alone, clear and warm on my ear. I pick up my brother, follow the sounds through the sunlit living room. 
The knotted rug feels hot under my feet. I find my father in the back of the house. He is standing, using our piano as his desk. Sketches surround him, cover the windows. Pencil drawings of airships, weather patterns in red, hand-drawn maps, and the formulas. Lines and lines of math drawn on our windows in wax pen. My brother crawls on the ground as I go to the window. My head falls to the side, turns just so as I try to make sense of the lottery of lines and legions of digits. My father raises his head, takes off his glasses. There is the animal. A brown horse, its body infected, fallen eyes weep with blood and yellow disease. Doctors draw blood from his hind quarters. The animal bucks up, tries to stand. I calm it. I run my hand slowly up and down its neck. Its skin is hot. I ask the doctors to leave. I stay with the animal through the night. I sing quietly as I wash its body with cold water. I sponge its brow, and near morning, it falls asleep. When the sun rises across Blood Lake, it is dead. Cold air rushes down from the valley above. It surrounds my body as I walk toward the stone house. Before I reach the door, my body is dry, free from the animal's death. Every third day, he comes, brings food. The plate is warm. The food is fresh. I eat handfuls of grapes, bites of an apple. He asks of my work. I tell him of the songs I remember singing as a child. He asks me of my family. I tell him what I remember. My father teaching me science, the physics of the world. He asks me of my involvement. He says, "Explain your involvement, Emil." I am at a loss. I explain that I cannot remember. He tells me that I'm running short of time. Soon, he will be replaced. They will move me. Another will ask the questions. No more windows, he says. There is my body. I am black. It is night. Strength runs like hot water in my veins. I run across the rutted snowfield. A rifle shakes in my hands. I see a string of houses, the light of a storefront, one hundred yards away. Others are with me. To my left and my right, I see them, dark figures jogging in the same direction. The whine of a motor screams out against the bulwarks. A motorcycle, then an explosion, and another, and finally a larger one, bigger than the rest in the distance. The air breaks. Concussions land into my chest, knock the wind for me, but I continue. I ready my rifle, kneel, shoot at the bodies of fire in the distance. There is my name. I refuse it. It is not mine. They tell me over and over what the name has done. They say it is killed like a phantom. The name has traveled and killed all over the world. Men, women, children. The name has crossed Asia, Europe, and Egypt. The name is wanted. The name is hunted. The name is evil. They show me pictures, 
my hair disheveled, my beard cropped close, my eyes just two black stones in the rivers of wrinkling skin. The name is scrawled underneath the photos in thick marker ink. What I don't tell them is a voice stirs inside me when I read it, whenever the name is said aloud. Like a star beginning, I feel a quiver of heat in my chest when they pronounce the sounds. But it is not me, I say. I am Emile Sautine, an engineer from Vauvant, France. I have a wife and child. I understand aerospace engineering and ways to leave the earth. I show them drawings. I stand to the window, pledge allegiance to the remains of the woman of liberty so many miles away. Her copper melted, her patina gone, her body warped and torn from her base. My hand goes to my chest. I slap at my body. Still, they do not believe me. There is God. The five colors, the flags of Lung Ta, ripped in the mountain winds. They lined the frozen trail to the summit. I remember fleeing to Kanchanunga to mourn, to build the replicas, the first in porcelain, then in steel. After years, I became close to God through my work. He worked through me, blessed my hands. I remember when the planes came to life, when they flew on their own. When I opened my father's mouth inside them, they awoke like infant owls with their huge, shining glass eyes. Now the sky is filled with them, my angels. The sight brings tears to my eyes. My emotions stir under the medication, and I remember wanting equity, revenge, wanting to fight back. They move me. They are desperate. Every room shakes more every day. I hear my angels close now. They fly day and night. I begin to recognize some of them, their sounds. Their jets sound like rivers from deep in the country, from another home. After the first melt, the frozen streams would turn to rushing din. A white roar of water that could be heard from miles away. This is the sound that fills the ceilings now. The ceaseless howl of my angels buzzing overhead. They walk me through the hospital, show me bodies all their eyes dripping with the same yellow disease. How do we stop them? What is the frequency? There is the music. I can hear it now. I remember finding my father's old notebooks. The notes splattered across the pages like constellations. I run my hand up and down the old paper feel his hand running up and down the pages as he wrote. This is his legacy, his music, his prayers that could heal and hurt in tones. His prayers that could heal and hurt in tones. I gave them to my angels. 
I gave voice to my angels. I gave song to my birds of war. They sing the song of free blood, the composition to end the new history, to free us all from the mothers and the men of Suzeron. My name is Emile Satin. My name is Abelino Martin. My name is Bernard Dubois. In Africa, I am Bob Tunde. The medication has waned. I am my father returned. I am King Pritchard II, the man who freed the skies, the man who brought liberty back to the people. I am the leader of Nouvelle Resistance Mondai. I am the man of birds, the inventor of falconry and the composer of the songs of death. I am a scientist. I am an artist. I speak with a clear voice to God. There is La Ville de New York, the last city, my final home. My family finds me in the night. I hear their rifles and bombs like an orchestra of snare drums in the hallway. They have her when they open my cell. She is scared. Her once perfect brown hair, now a tangle of white gravel, dusted with debris. She cries when she sees me, begs to be set free. You are my love, I say. Outside, the city looks old, but young, torn apart and just beginning like the pictures I saw in my father's history books. I remember laying on the floor of his study, his pipe smoke floating above my head, each exhalation barely filling the room before it was sucked out the window into the crowded Bangalore streets. Fresh-cut flowers sit in a vase near the window. I flip the pages of the books while my father tunes the large piano in the corner of the room. Over and over, he plays the notes, adjusts the lever, plays them again. For months he does this, plays and adjusts. We grow poor. His precious French tobacco, the tall red and white cans of Scarfaletti Caporal, Stop arriving, and slowly ten ashtrays overflowing with the runts of beady cigarettes cover every surface and sill. Until the day. It is a morning like any other. The smell of our warming oven fills the house. My mother kneads dough on the kitchen counter. My brother eats his rice pudding in his high chair. The kettle on the stove begins to stir. Wine. My mother pours my father's tea, covers it with the saucer, sends me away. I find him, eyes closed, the same four notes falling under his fingers onto the stained keys. But today he beckons me close, takes the tea from my hand, he says. Watch. He plays the notes in a succession I have not heard. Brief pauses. Two of them harmonizing in a dissonant mash. The wall cracks as he plays them louder. The bass falls as he plays them again and again. The flowers die. Screams arrive from the kitchen. 
The envoys come quickly, within the hour. Shoot him without pause. I watch him die from inside the wall. From the closet he carved every night. I retreat to the country. I become a man in the country. I am taken in by the first Pritchard, the first leader. He teaches me the true history, what the world was. Science comes naturally to me. I learn aeronautics, the magic of flight. When the war begins, I go back home, to the mountains, to Kachanunga, to help Pritchard, to build the first of the birds. I named the science falconry. I built flocks of my angels, my birds of prey. We lose for so long. We lose. I grow old. I finally decode my father's song. I give the birds a voice. The cities fall. New York, with its sculpture of liberty, Shanghai's tower of metal and glass, Moscow combusts, burns warm like balsa. All the buildings, all the cities, just piles of sticks across the globe. We bring liberty. We animals sing for the oppressed. No more chains. No more work farms. No more abaddons. Just the skies filled with my birds. Their endless migration. Wally Rudolph is a multidisciplinary artist and the current seated co-chair of the Asian American Writers Committee of the Writers Guild of America. His debut novel, the literary thriller Four Corners from Counterpoint and Soft School, was published in 2014. It garnered praise for its unflinching prose and instantly drew comparisons to Daniel Woodrell, Richard Price, Dennis Johnson, and Barry Hanna, among others. His second novel, Mighty Mighty, also from Counterpoint and Soft School, was published to widespread critical acclaim in the fall of 2015. More of his fiction can be found in the literary journals Lines and Stars, Palooka, The Brooklyner, and Prospect Park Books 2013 fiction anthology, Literary Pasadena, among others. Born in Canada to Chinese-American immigrant parents and raised in Texas, he's traveled and lived throughout North America, but now is more than happy to be living and creating in the City of Angels. Amy Weaver is an actress, writer, and voiceover artist working and living in Los Angeles. Thank you for listening to this Brick Moon Fiction podcast. Be sure to subscribe and review on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates and the occasional Black Pearls of Wisdom.